morning. Welcome to church. If you guys want to stand and worship with us this morning, we're going to welcome him in because he's worthy of our praise. No matter what we've gone through this week, we've come to praise him because he's the God that's above everything, above our troubles, above our worries. He's above it all. He takes care of us. He's our loving God, our awesome father. Lord, we praise you this morning because you are worthy of our praise.
that your cry this morning? We invite our King of Kings, Lord of Lords, name above all names, we invite him in this morning. We've come to give him the praise that he's worthy of. We invite him in this sanctuary, and we invite him in this tabernacle this morning. Let's close our eyes. Let's just raise our hands in this place, and let's just give him the welcome he deserves. Lord, you're so worthy to be praised. Words aren't enough, Lord, for what you've done for us and for what you're worthy of. And we come this morning on fire for you. We love you, and we've come to worship you in this place. You're welcome here amongst us. You're welcome in our hearts this morning. Lord, receive this offering this morning of love and praise from your people. Lord, ask that you would move over us today. Not for us, Lord, but for your glory and for your honor. In the name of Jesus Christ, Lord, we come to you this morning. Amen and amen. Let's give him another hand clap of praise. Hallelujah. Well, welcome. Thank you for being here, to be in one mind and one accord with us this morning, to bring down his presence. And there's no better place to be than to be in his presence. That's where miracles happen. That's where lost people come into a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And that's exactly the atmosphere that we want to create here this morning. Atmosphere that honors him and brings the lost ones to him. And if you're new here, as Pastor Cameron always says, we hope you've found your home. We truly do. We want to be part of your life. We want to help you grow in your relationship with Jesus Christ. And this after, after this service today, we have a meet and greet right out here in the conference room. And if you would take some time, we'd like you to join us. And we want to be there to encourage you, to connect with you, and help you get planted here at church. Help you grow. No place like home. We have a wonderful church. We need to take care of what we have here because what we feel here doesn't happen every place. I've been around and I miss my home. I miss my church. So God bless you. Let's get out this morning in the aisles and let's welcome each other to church.
Wipe away every stain 
Fill this place, Lord. Fill this place. 
sing it, let us hear you sing it. Tell me.
tell him. Why don't you just lift your hands and honor the presence of God this year? One of the things we never want to take for granted, we never want to get to in a hurry, is when the presence of the Lord is moving in this house. How many of you know to be in the presence of the Lord is all this life's success all wrapped up in one? If we can sense and know that He's here, that the power and the presence of God is here, why anything in this moment can happen. Anything can take place right where you're standing. As a matter of fact, why don't we reach over right next to somebody, just gently place a hand on their shoulder or right there next to them. If you're standing close to them, would you just right now as a mode of faith, faith to faith, would you pray over someone standing beside you, around you, maybe in front of you right there? Would you just begin to intercede right now for someone Standing in this house, Lord, we come now asking, touch our brother, touch our sister, minister to the need that they have in their lives. We're praying right now as the presence of the Lord fills this house. Lord, we honor you. We acknowledge you. And we thank you, Lord. Touch with healing. Touch with deliverance. God, there's families that need to be put back together. We ask in the name of Jesus. Lord, addictions that need to be broken. God, we're asking you touch and minister habits that are killing us lord we ask in jesus name touch the brother touch the sister minister healing today physically whether it be heart or another organ in the body or jesus anything that is going on in our bodies physically we bring that to you now ask you to heal and to touch our loved ones that live out of state we're praying over them right now in the name of jesus our our daughters, our sons who are not saved, we're praying over them right now, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Reveal your love to them. There is no deception. There is no liar. There is no devil in hell that can keep them from the truth revealed to them in this moment, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you glory and we give you honor and we give you praise. Break the yoke of bondage over their minds and their spirits, we pray in Jesus' name. We thank you, Lord, for the sweetness of your presence. Holy, holy. you're holy, you're holy, Lord. Don't you feel his presence here today? We don't go by feelings, we go by faith, but isn't it good when you can sense and feel the, the presence of God as we do right now? There ain't nothing wrong with that. We honor him today and we thank him. There's a ministering spirit here in this house. 
we follow, we have, we write out an order of service, but I'm telling you, there's a spirit of ministry. The Holy Spirit wants to do something in someone's life here this morning. I don't know where you are. Would you just, if you have a need in your life, would you just lift up your hands right where you are? Let God touch you right where you're standing. I feel like there are ministering angels literally just going all over this sanctuary from the left side to the right side, front and back. They're ministering. They're moving all over this house today. In the, if you could see what I see in the Spirit, I'm telling you there are angels in this house this morning. They're ministering to the people. They're touching God's children. In the name of Jesus, we honor you, Holy Ghost. We thank you for your work in this house. All the glory and all the honor to Jesus. Holy Spirit of God. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Thank you, Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. He's here. He's here. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. I don't know what you're going through. I don't know what you brought in here today. I don't know what you're carrying. I don't know what it is that that you feel like you just, it, it's like a, a backpack on you. You just carry it everywhere you go. You carry it every day. And you just think you're supposed to live with it. But I, I feel a directive of the Holy Spirit to tell someone that God wants you to lay, take that off and lay it down this morning right here in this house. Hallelujah. I feel like God wants to touch you right where you're at. He's holy. Our God is holy. He's holy. Just let it go. Just let it go. You say, I don't know. I, I can't let it go. I, I got to hang on. No. Let it go. In the name of Jesus. The Lord will pick it up. He'll go before you. He'll make the crooked places straight. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We honor you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. We honor you, Lord. We praise your name. Hallelujah for the presence of the Lord. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise, if you will. Praying in this house today. We're so glad to see Cindy Robinson back from her hospital visit this week. We love you, Cindy. Believe the Lord is touching you. Brother Tim, Tim Crow was thought he was going on vacation and he ended up in the hospital way down. Where were you at? What state were you in? In Florida, of all places. I hear they got good hospitals. Palm trees out every window. But what's really important is he went in there for some serious stuff, but here he is in the house of God this morning. I believe prayer has touched him. Tim, we love you. We're praying for you. You keep him in your prayers. You keep Cindy in your prayers. Keep me in your prayers. I want to be prayed for. 
The Lord is here in a mighty way. We had a wonderful visit this last Wednesday night. If you were not able to be here, a little lady, just a little tiny lady that came all the way from Shechem, Israel. Her name was Sandra, and she was kosher and funny. She was so funny. We had a bite to eat with her, and she was just delightful. But she gave us so much knowledge of Israel this last Wednesday night. It, to speak as, as an Orthodox Jew, I mean, she is literally, if you see her, she's like 100% Jewish. And it was so beautiful to, to sense and feel the, the favor, the chosen. You know, when someone is Orthodox in their Jewish faith, you know, that makes them, you know, there's favor from God in that. I, I know they're not, they haven't acknowledged Jesus Christ as the Messiah. But there, I mean, neither did Esther or neither did Ruth. You know, neither did any of the Old Testament Jewish Orthodox folks who were coming up in their faith. And, and I thought, she's learning and growing. She's in a Christian church and she is so open to it. And I just kept praying for her that she would just truly recognize. How many of you know there are lots of folks in the Jewish nation that are yet to, re to, to totally receive the truth that Jesus is the Messiah? She, I believe she's one of them. I believe the Bible talks about a great revival that's going to take place in Israel. And I believe she, in that, among that Jewish nation, is one of those people that's going to be like, oh my goodness, they were right. But she was a precious lady. She talked to us from an orthodox heart about why Israel is determined to nurture the communities of, of Israelis in their land. And it was so beautiful to hear it. We're going to pray for Israel as we do right now. And I want us to be reminded that it's so important that we as Christians, we remember. The Jewish folks don't know it, but we're the closest thing they got to a friend anywhere. We're praying for them. We love them. We're seeking the good of Israel and praying for the peace of Jerusalem, asking God to bless them. And as we do, we don't forget to pray for the United States of America. Please, let's remember our country founded on the principles of Christianity, coming over here to get freedom of religion, not from. Can I get an amen? amen? So we've got to pray for our country, pray for our leaders, pray for our state, pray for the body of Christ in America, that we will rise up and be strong. I believe we are. I believe people are. But we've got to keep it in the center of our prayers. Amen? Let's, let's pray. Father, we come to you. Now, Lord, we come to do business. We're a church. We're the body of Christ here at Middletown. And we ask you to minister, Lord, to the state of Israel. We pray over her borders, inside and out, God, that those that have plotted against her, Lord, they'll be uh, annihilated through the plan, will be teared, tore down. And, Lord, the strongholds that are taken, trying to take over and be in charge, I pray that it's trying to destroy the communities of Israel. We pray against them, Lord. We pray in the name of Jesus that you protect them and keep them and bless them. Let them feel the presence and power of God who's favored them and chosen them. We pray over them in the name of the Lord, and we thank you. And, Lord, we pray over the United States of America, asking you to touch this country. Lord, we're praying and pleading the blood of Jesus Christ over our cities, our children, our, our families, our moms and dads. Touch our country. Touch our leaders. Touch our government authorities. We pray in the name of Jesus for this to be accomplished and done. Through that name that is above every name, the name that is omnipotent,
the name that is King of all kings and Lord of all lords. We pray it in the name of Jesus. We give you honor and praise today and thank you. And everyone agreed and said amen. Amen. You can be seated. Where is Gabrielle? Where y'all at today? There you are. One of the favorite parts of my job is to be able to introduce you to Gabriel Seguintia. Look at this little guy. Oh my goodness. Hey buddy. Babies always smile at me. I don't know what that is. Is it because they think I'm funny looking or what? Oh, the lights are getting you now. Ladies and gentlemen, would you welcome little Gabriel to church this morning? And Oh, here we go. Dad's taking a picture. Beautiful. Hey, we're going to be friends. Yeah, I'll meet you in the cafe next Sunday. little guy, beautiful little child, good job, beautiful, I want to congratulate Jim Jackson, he is now an exhorter, minister, passed his license test yesterday in the church of God, stand up Jim, Collie, let's see who you are. I know all too well, many of us ministers here know how those tests, man, that can be a frightful experience, but you feel good when you come out. So we're proud of you and very, very thankful for the work you're doing and the credential that you're, uh, the training that you're receiving from that training, from that credential. Our youth are in Oklahoma this morning. They're going to be, they're actually ministering right now in the uh, Southern Hills Church of God. About 23 of them went, uh, a lot of the uh, band and choir members. <laughs> Gary's kind of working with a skeleton crew today. A lot of them are gone, and they're down there. They're making that church have great church, so we're having good church too, right? Amen. But uh, we're proud of Cameron and the young people. They're there ministering. They'll be ministering in that church this morning. Tomorrow morning they start camp, and they'll be doing camp all week for Oklahoma Church of God young people. And then they'll be ministering again on the weekend at another church and then they'll be coming home. So we're proud of them. It's always good for them to get away and take these mission trips, it helps them. I'm telling you, there's nothing like a mission trip. And whether it's abroad or, or here in the States, it changes your life. And so we're proud of them and uh, wanna keep them in our prayers. Tonight, uh, Christian Mays will be speaking. He's one of our young ministers here at the church and he had talked with me several weeks back that he had a word. Uh, that he, it was for families, and it was especially for fathers, but he, he felt it was for the whole family. But he's going to be speaking this evening, and, and uh, we prayed about it, and I really feel good about him bringing the message tonight. So he's going to be speaking this evening at 6 o'clock, so you need to come and be a part of that. RJ and Jamie, would you, would you come up here for a few moments? I've been really praying. Richard and I and, and Cameron have been really praying. I think Gary even joined us in a few of those prayers <laughs> two times. <laughs> For the mix, our, our mixed young adult group. We've been working two and a half years on this ministry, and Richard and I have been doing our very best to pastor this group, kind of sub-pastor. You know, does anyone know that there are 1,300 members of our church? And that is a lot of folks. And, you know, when you 
try to pastor them plus pastor a subgroup, that can, you know, I didn't know what I was coming or going sometimes. For the last year, we've been really praying about, God, what are you doing and who are you speaking to? Who's, who's there to minister? Who is going to help us with this? I believe in young adult ministry. We have other wonderful ministries to young adults. Our young married thrive ministry is booming and it's going great. It's meeting a need right there. See, I've always said that the young adults are in the most transitional. The reason we call it the mix is because they are in the mix. I mean, you know, they are making decisions about who they'll marry, where they'll live, where they go to school, where they'll work, what their occupation will be. They're just making all kinds of decisions at this point in their life, and they need someone who can help them. And at every stage, whether they're married or unmarried or just the whole kit and caboodle. And so we're thankful that these two, I asked them several months back to be praying, and uh, they came back to me, and they said, we really feel good about this, and we want to work together uh, to complement other ministries in our church with all the young adults in the MIX program. And they are going to be taking that on as the new pastors over MIX. And so I want you to give them a great big welcome and thank them to, for the work they're going to be doing. If you don't know RJ and Jamie, they are a fantastic couple, been involved in ministry for many years. If you're familiar with Tommy Bates, uh, the ministry down in Kentucky, Jamie has been running his youth camp. She did it for many, many years. And she is just very talented. RJ has been a pastor, preacher, teacher. He, they, he just got back from a youth ministry uh, assignment where they were for a while. And I love the fact I got a phone call from RJ one day and he said, you know what, Pastor, our assignment is done and can we come home? And I said, yes right away so we were thrilled to have them back at the beginning of this year they came back and they've been involved in doing whatever they could but they've been really been praying about what's going on and so god has really spoke to their hearts they've said yes to mix <laughs> so that almost sounds ironic doesn't it but we're we're proud of them and thankful for them i want to ask you to stand if you would taking on a position like this they'll be working together with our office our other staff pastors They'll be working together with our Thrive Young Adult Married Ministry, and, and all of those ministries will complement one another and work together to build a strong young adult base. You know, it was several years ago that we had zero. I mean, it seemed like we had zero in the young adults. It seemed like the youth were taken care of, the children were taken care of, adults were and senior adults were, but we had this young adult kind of hole. And God has helped us to fill that with some wonderful young adult people. And so we're working hard on doing what we can to minister to that age group. So I want you to stretch your hands towards RJ and Jamie, and I want us to pray over them and ask God to bless and touch their efforts. Father, we come to you. We thank you for, Lord, their agreement to take on all of our young adults. We thank you, Lord, that they're going to be running that service every month, and they're going to be planning activities for all of them. I thank you for this. I pray that you'll minister, strengthen them, help them to pick up and do way more than we ever dreamed or thought of could be done. Thank you, Lord, for the vision inside their hearts, the willingness to accept this assignment. We pray over them an anointing that comes from your Holy Spirit to minister. Let the power and the presence of God guide and direct and order their every step. We thank you for this today in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Love you. God bless you. Amen. All right, you may be seated. 
Our ushers are coming to serve you, and as they do, we're going to give you the opportunity to worship the Lord with your gifts. Thank you for your gifts to missions. All loose offering goes to world missions around the world. And also, so thankful for all of you who are obedient and faithful to God's word and paying your tithe here at this local uh, storehouse for the kingdom of God. Lord, we come to you. We come, Lord, willingly, cheerfully to give. We ask your blessings to be upon your people and thank you for the way this church gives. Lord, every time we come and bring a need to them, they're always so willing to make sacrifice and to give. And I thank you for them. I pray your blessings over all those who have, have, have the ability and, and have been given the desire and have it in their hearts to, to give to the kingdom work here at Stratford Heights Church. I pray your hand to rest on them and thank you for your blessings. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. God is excellent. He is worthy to be praised. Yeah. 
excellent is thy name in all the earth. For there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. At the mention of your name, storms cease. At the mention of your name, mountains must move. So Lord, cleanse my heart and light my path, that my lamb might have oil. For on that day, there's coming a day when every knee shall bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Excellent is the name of the Lord. How many of you know his name is above every other name? I love what Rob said. Boy, Rob's got the preach on him, don't he? I just thought while he was preaching, I thought, man, he needs to do us. We need to do him on a Sunday. He needs to just come down here and preach. I love it when he was saying, there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. The name of Jesus. The name of Jesus will heal you. The name of Jesus will deliver you. The power of Jesus will raise you up out of dead and trespasses in your sin. And he will cause you to be alive. He said the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. But I've come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. Amen? Amen. Amen. You can be seated for like two seconds. If you were like the Mexican jumping beans we used to see, you would have popped right back up. But no. I want to, uh, I want to recognize some folks who are here. This is R.J., and ja this is RJ's mom and dad. Jamie had to slip out. They've got a sick one at home. She's already been here for two services, so she had to slip out. But RJ stuck around because mom and dad is here. I want Mr. and Mrs. Bill and Fran Hicks, if you would stand for us. We want to recognize you. We're th so thankful you came to be with us today. God bless you all. You have a great family. Amen. Now, stand with me for the reading of God's word. And be thankful. You say, what am I going to be thankful for? Oh, you're going to be thankful. You see, in the last service, I read 28 verses for my text. And when it was over, I said to Richard, I said, you know what? I got to cut that down. Because some of that was just historical, and I got all excited about it. I wanted you to hear all of it. But I think we need to stick to what you need to hear this morning. So I'm going to challenge you to go read Daniel chapter 6, the whole thing. But I'm going to preach about the whole thing anyway. 
So I won't, I'll just read five, six verses that'll just tell us where we're going, all right? Everybody say all right. Y'all have a look on your face just like, well, we don't want to be left out. Read all 28 verses. I won't do that. I'll preach. You, you read it. I'll preach it. Daniel chapter 6, verses 1 through 20. Or no, <laughs> verses 1. It pleased Darius the king to set over the kingdom 120 satraps. Another version says princes. To be over the whole kingdom and over these three governors of whom Daniel was one that the satraps might give account to them so that the king would suffer no loss it was organized then this Daniel distinguished himself above the governors and satraps because an excellent spirit was in him and the king gave thought to setting him over the whole realm so the governors and the satraps sought to find some charge against Daniel, jealousy, concerning the kingdom. But they could find no charge or fault because he was faithful. Nor was there any error or fault found in him. These men, then these men said, we shall not find any charge against this Daniel unless we find it against him concerning the law of his God. And you remember they... They kind of tricked King Darius into putting a decree together. And that decree was that for the next 30 days, nobody will pray to anyone else but King Darius. And if they do, they're in trouble. So they knew they had a trap set for Daniel, who was faithful. Say the word faithful. Daniel, who was faithful. So we jump down to verse 10, and it says, Now, when Daniel, in verse 9, said, Therefore King Darius signed the written decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went home. Almost makes you intrigued. What's he going to do? How's he going to respond? And in his upper room, with his windows open toward Jerusalem, he knelt down on his knees three times that day and prayed and gave thanks before his God, as was his custom since early days. Can you say amen to the reading of God's word? Lord, speak to us today. Challenge us and touch us concerning our faithfulness. Lord, there is blessing in faithfulness that follows us no matter what the enemy has targeted, no matter what he has plotted against us. Oh, in the name of Jesus Christ, speak to us today and show us how this applies to us where we are in Christ's name. Amen. God bless you. You can be seated. I love the part where it says that Darius, or that, that Daniel had an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. That was what made the difference with him. The, the faithfulness of his life, the excellence of his attitude. It said there was no error, no fault could be found in him. Man, that is amazing. When you think about that kind of... Uh, Notoriety, that kind of memorable kind of statement over your life. I, I read about a, a man who was in a, a graveyard in Alabama, and there was all kinds of folks there. As a matter of fact, their last name was Jackson, and they were in this Alabama cemetery, and they were walking around looking at some of the headstones, and one of the headstones had 
the name of one of the Jacksons. I think his name was Joseph, Joe Jackson. And he was, it had the date of his birth and the date of his death. And then below, five words, just five words that said, a man of unquestioned integrity. Wow. Wow. What a statement. What an epitaph. Probably one of the most valuable, one of the best kind of compliments anyone could ever have about their life was that he was a man of unquestioned integrity. I've done writings and I've, I, I wrote a little piece a, a couple of years ago on authentic leadership. I, I love leadership. I love to study. I love to, to learn. I'm always trying to grow and be better at what I do. Who you see now will be somebody completely different next year because I always intend to grow. When I die, I want people to say that guy was a student of life. I want to always grow. If, you, if you're at that place where you're like, well, you know, I about know it all. Everybody knows you too. <laughs> people that know it all, you know, they're not fun to be with. You stink at parties. And when anybody else wants to talk about something, it always is just horrible that you got to always outdo them. Because you know everything. So don't do that. Be a learner. Be a student of life. And two words that I wrote about were credible and authentic. That was the two words that stuck out to me. Credible means you're believable. It comes from a, a Latin word called credo, which means I believe. People want to believe in you. When, when you. In business, it's important that people believe in you. If they don't believe in you, they're not going to make a deal with you. They're not going to buy from you. They're not going to sign with you. If, if you're a student and you're get, looking to get approved to a, to a school or to a college, you, they're going to want to believe in you. You've got to provide references. You've got you to do all these things that, that kind of give credence, that give a credibility to who you are. People want to believe in you. The other word is authentic, which means it's authenticos, which means conforming to the original. If something's authentic, the man, it, it, it isn't a copy. It isn't an imitation. It's not a phony. I mean, how many times have, have you seen them, them uh, signatures of Elvis Presley that people sell on the side of the road at a gas station on those velvet pictures? How many? Oh, please don't admit it if you ever bought one. People will, I mean, they go nuts over an authentic, authentic, authentic signature. Or you get a, a piece of China or something that's authentic from a company or a brand name and, and you want that little certificate of authenticity that goes with it. I have, I have an authorized, certified signature of Olivia Newton-John. <laughs> it's the real deal and I can spot a fake a mile away. People want the authentic. They want paintings, they want artwork, they want all kinds of different things. They want it to be authentic. An authentic Abraham Lincoln signature or letter is important. Yeah. Uh, Chuck over here, he collects coins and he's, he doesn't look for just any old coin. He wants these authentic, perfect, excellent condition. He, he wants them to look nice and, and I've seen his collection and it's amazing. You need to go over to his house for dinner. Sandra, you'll be cooking for about 500, so get ready. But you put those two words together, authentic and credible, and you end up with this, what you see is what you get. What you see is what you get. And that's so important, especially when it comes to our society today, because there's so many people that are not the real deal. So many people that are living this, this two-sided kind of life. People that, that, 
that aren't authentic. They're, they're phony. They're fake. They're not the real deal. They, they don't ever come across as being transparent and real in their dealings with anyone. There, there's a lot of that that's going on right now in our society. There's a big problem with credibility, whether it's from the, the, the House and the Senate, politics or governor's offices, the White House, wherever you might find, there's a, a big problem with credibility. There's a big problem with credibility in the media these days. Nobody knows who to believe or what to believe. I'm absolutely amazed. Have you put it to the test before? I've went literally on a major issue that was burning the news uh, reports up. I've went to every single station. I have them all saved, and I want to hear everybody's take. And if you listen to, like, the top four on the news agencies, the different channels, cable channels that are on, you will get a completely different perspective on every single one of them. It's amazing. You wonder who's telling the truth. And it's this, this credibility that we need, not only in our politicians and not only in our country and not only in business, people that, that want to do business, do it right. There's only, can I say this, there's only one way to do business and that's do it right. Only one way. Do it right. Don't cheat. Don't give somebody the sign. You know, if your car got wrecked, tell them it got wrecked. It's the truth. I'm dealing with that right now. I've got my car got wrecked twice last year. Wasn't my fault, not once. But I'm like, I pulled the car fax the other day, and it's like, it's been wrecked. I'm like, <laughs> your car loses value immediately. But we look at those things. There's only one way to do life, and that's do it right. And, you know, this applies to the church. You know, most of the church out there, most of the young people growing up, and most of the people that have been involved in church, one of their biggest problems is not Jesus, not God, not faith. Their big problems, Maria, is Christians. Christians who are fake and phony and not the real deal. And before you point too many fingers at everybody else and go, mm-hmm, listen up close, you're in that boat. We all need self-evaluation. We all find ourselves in a place where we've got to lay. Our, I mean, I can't count how many times I have laid myself on an altar in my heart. And, and I've said, God, like a surgeon, will you search my mind, my spirit, my soul. Touch my life and go through and do whatever you've got to do in me. Rip out whatever you've got to rip out. Lord, whatever... Uh, selfish ambition and whatever personal agendas and goals that I have. Ministry these days is just a, a, a cocktail of all kinds of deception and you've got to be so careful. You can't follow opinions. I'm amazed at the people that build religions and plant churches on opinion. There's only one opinion and that's the God-breathed Word of God, the infallible words of Jesus Christ, the, the Father God and the Holy Ghost. These are, this is what you build your life on right here. This is the truth. I don't want nobody giving me their opinion. I want somebody giving me a scripture. Somebody will say, well, I feel led. I'm like, well, what do you base that on? What's your scripture? should be backed up by a foundation. Everything you do, how you parent, how you get married, how you do business, how you live your life, it better be based on a scripture because this is your foundation. 
We need credibility once again. And God's given us a standard of absolute truth. He's given us all we need. That is a solid rock of foundational material. That's the source of your strength. It's the inspiration for your dreams. It's everything you need in this life from A to Z. And so many folks have not yet picked it up off the shelf at their house. They literally are letting it sit up there like some kind of icon, collective souvenir that says grandma was once very religious. Am I all right or do I need to leave? (laughs) Authentic, credible, real. Daniel had that kind of heart. Daniel had made up his mind. You young men that are here today, you young ladies, man, make up your mind early in life that you're going to be credible, that you're going to be authentic. You're going to be excellent in what you do. Don't let anybody mess with your brain. Don't let them discourage you or deceive you. Don't let anybody say, you know, oh, you should, you know, the old army posters used to say, you know, go out and, you know, only look out for number one. Number one, be number one. You know, I understand that mentality, and we want to strive to be our best at everything that we do. But remember, man, the whole idea behind this is love your brother as yourself, to look out for one another, serve one another, love one another. The Bible says with a fervent love, we're supposed to love one another and take care of others. The Bible does it different than the world does. But the authenticity of it is amazing. The blessing that goes with it, I'm telling you, the blessing for your life comes through the authenticity of loving and leading a life of faith and faithfulness. There's so much to be said for faithfulness. I wish I could tell you that, that, that Daniel was, was such a, a talented young man. He was such a, 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 a you know, smart guy, intelligent, could fix anything and do anything. He, would, he could work any kind of problem out. That's why he was governor. He, I, could, I wish I could tell you that all of those things were why when he was dropped down in the den of lions, he was protected and delivered and rescued from God. But it was none of those things. All it was was faithfulness. When I stand before God, he will not say, well, Ray, you wore that, that gray silver suit. And that, like I made you good for heaven. He won't be saying you were talented in this or you were gifted in that or you could preach or you could sing or you could do this or do that. He won't look at any of my gifts or any of my talents. None of that will weigh in on the day I stand before God. The Bible tells us exactly what will. The Bible says that Jesus himself looks at you and I and says, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. Thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler now over many. Enter into the joy of the Lord. Faithfulness. Being faithful. That's the number. If you can't do anything else, be faithful. Can I say this? Be faithful to your wife. Be faithful to your husband. Be faithful to your family. Be faithful to your faith. Be faithful to your church. Be faithful to God. Be faithful. If you can't do anything else, be faithful, and you will be found among heaven's ranks as one of those who have an excellent spirit. An excellent spirit. Daniel was a man who was favored, and he was honored, 
And there was so much about his life. But oh, he found himself in trouble because there's another lesson we need to learn. I don't know where the mentality comes from. It must come from some of the preachers out there that, that are, are kind of in the celebrity realm. Because they fill your hearts and my heart. They fill our minds with all this mumbo jumbo about how everything's going to be rosy and everything's going to be great. Just name it, claim it, blab it, grab it. It's yours. If you just will just do this, you're going to get this. Send me $5. I'm going to send you some spring water. I'm going to take care of all your problems. If you'll send me a buck, I'm going to send you 100000 It's all going to come in the mail. Let me know. And I, we listen to all of those things, and nothing like that happens in the Word of God. Nothing about that really teaches true or holds true in my spirit. What I see and sense the Word telling me over and over again is humble yourself, seek the face of God, turn from wickedness and evil ways, and be found good and faithful. And when we're faithful to God, the blessings come rolling out of heaven's windows. Faithfulness. I wish I could tell you that, that when you're good and you're living right and you're doing right, that you're never going to have a problem. That you're never going to have a trial. But that's not true. Look, at the, look in the Word of God. So many different places. Naomi, all the different stories in the Scripture. Joseph standing there behind a wall weeping because of the betrayal of his brothers. I wish I could tell you Paul shipwrecked and chained up and in prison. All kinds of different stories of all the places he's been. Every one of the disciples literally gone through one trouble and trial after another. But in every one of those situations, we find something always is true those who stay faithful to God always come out on the other side every one of us are victorious through Christ you will not fail unless you fail to be faithful listen to what I said you will not fail unless you fail to be faithful faithfulness that's the key if you can do nothing else as I mentioned be faithful Daniel was faithful. If he was faithful to a fault, you say, what? Faithful to a fault? Listen. They couldn't find any fault in him. They couldn't find any error in him. He was a good man. Somebody says, well, somewhere he must have let down something because the enemy got in him. No, the enemy hates you. It's going to persecute you. And the closer you get to God, the more determined he is to knock you down. The only people I know that aren't struggling and fighting in trials one after the other are people that are doing nothing. They're no threat. They're no problem. The enemy could care less. They're out there just on their own. They have their ups and downs, but they don't have any kind of guidance, no direction. They're just out there floating along in life. And, you know, I had one guy look at me one time, and he was just like, well, I mean, I, I really never had a problem. I was like, say what? Never had a problem. My goodness, son, give, write a book. Faithfulness brings enemies. They couldn't find anything with him. They couldn't find, they, they looked at his weaknesses and there was none. You see, the enemy doesn't really focus a whole lot on your weaknesses because he knows that those are issues that, that he don't have to really worry about with you. If, if you got problems with weak things and you, you can fall like that, the devil just leaves you to yourself because you're going to fall flat on your face by yourself. He didn't even need to worry about you. What the enemy looks for a lot of times is he looks for where you're strong. They looked at David closely and they couldn't find a fault. So they said, hey, the only way we're going to find anything with this guy is if we 
search where he's faithful to God, if we search out his strength, the enemy will hit you where you're strong. For you, it might be your faithfulness. It might be uh, teaching, preaching. It might be ministry and compassion and love for the lost. Whatever it is, the enemy will attack and look for those areas where you're strong. He did such a thing. The devil chose through the satraps, the governors, to find a way. And what they did was they, they, they worked until they found the perfect trap. What they would do, the one thing they knew about Daniel was that he was faithful to pray. Faithful to his God. And if they could attack him in one way or another concerning his faith, they would have him. You know the story. They targeted his prayer time. They got this decree written, and they went and they waited. Don't you know that when it was traveling, the word was traveling through the palace, and everybody with the governors and the princes and all the people were talking about this new decree that they had got. The satraps had gotten it all together, and the king put his seal, his ring, signet on, on the uh, the the parchment paper and everything was signed and it was all ready and they went running out. Don't you know as word spread through the palace and it got to Daniel's office that he sat there and he contemplated and he thought, well, okay, I know what this means. I know what this means. The Bible tells us exactly what he did. He got up, he walked through the palace, walked out the front door, said bye to the, to the, to the guards and he headed to his house, and you'd sit back and you'd say, what in the world is, is Daniel going to do now? What's he going to do? As he got to his house, you know, the, 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 the governors and the satraps, and I like calling them princes, satraps, is, it's good. It kind of means they got traps, but they're all, they're standing behind a, a building, and they're watching. Hey, hey, Daniel's going in his house. And you'd think maybe Daniel would be a little worried, a little anxiety, maybe a little stressed out, but he wasn't at all. The Bible makes it clear. We, we, we'll point that out in just a moment. It, he wasn't stressed out. He wasn't bothered. He didn't have an issue in the world. He walked home. He left the office, walked down through, talked to everybody, all of his neighbors, shook their hand, bought some bread. As he was walking down, and he got to his house, he walked in his house, and the Bible says he went straight up to his upper room. He looked right there, and sure as he walked into that upper room and looked at those windows, he knew this was the moment of reckoning. And he walked right over to his windows without a second thought, unlatched them and opened the windows up. He got down, and he looked into the heavens towards Jerusalem, and he lifted his hands, and he prayed. The Bible says he prayed three times that day. But you know, after the first time, those, those satraps were standing back there watching. They turned and walked and started running back to the palace. And I bet you anything, if we, when we talked to Daniel, we would say, did, did you see them? Yeah, they were hiding behind that third building back over here on the left. I saw them, and I saw the little snakes when they took, went off running. Back to, the, back to the palace, back to cause trouble. They finally got their trap set. The enemy loves to trick you, loves to trap you, loves to deceive you. You and I are no match for the enemy, but we are strong in the Lord. We're powerful and mighty in the Lord. When you and I understand what happened, it says, now Daniel knew 
that the writing was signed. I love that. When he knew the writing was signed, he went home knowing exactly what was going to happen. But you see, here's where it gets good because now we got to look more into the story and say, now listen, what was it about Daniel? What was he thinking? Surely he, was, he, he had to deal with the temptation. Surely he, he, that was a battle for him. Can you imagine the battle that was raging? He knew, man, he was going to be thrown into the den of lions. He knew what the, the punishment was going to be. And Was he thinking about that? Was he thinking about what will I wear? What will I do? How will I guard myself against these lions? How will I fight them? How in the world will I prevent this from happening? He wasn't thinking of any of those things. Daniel wasn't afraid to die. Daniel wasn't concerned about what would happen. Daniel was so in love and and he knew so much about God and God's presence. He had been there since he was a young man. He had seen God move time and time and time again. Perhaps he remembered the story of his three Hebrew friends that had been thrown in the fiery furnace. And he knew that if he would just remain if he would just stand tall and strong and not give in, that the God that he prayed to, that he was faithful to, and if you'll hear me today, if you stay the course and stay faithful and fight on through every battle, you're going to find yourself landed right in the blessing of God. You're going to find yourself standing right in the middle of it. Too many people give up. Too many people get cold, they get indifferent, they lay down, they quit fighting, they, they, they start thinking all kinds of dumb thoughts from the enemy, and they literally get off track and they go into what I call the land of insanity for a little while. But it said Daniel had an excellent spirit. He was, let me tell you, he was thrown in that lion's den. Now you go you would think, somebody would think, oh boy, I bet that was just horrifying for him. I don't believe it was. Because when you read the story, you can't believe what happened. It says, so the king gave the command and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions. But the king spoke saying to Daniel, your God, whom you serve continually, he will deliver you. See, Darius had been watching Daniel. He loved Daniel. He favored Daniel. He wanted to make him the second man in the kingdom. He watched and looked at all the great things that Daniel had, that excellent spirit, and he wanted to promote him. He loved him. Daniel's influence in Daniel's life had already been speaking, had already been working in the palace, and that's why these guys were so envious. Let me tell you. The, the faith in you and the faithfulness in you, the devil is going to use as many people as possible to hate you and to envy you and to want to, to just be after you. I mean, morning, noon, and night. They're going to be after you because they hated him. They're going to hate you. And the closer you are to God, the more the enemy wants you out of the picture. Then a stone was brought and laid on the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the signets of his lords, that the purpose concerning Daniel might not be changed. Now the king went to his palace and spent the night fasting. No musicians were brought before him. Also his sleep went from him. Then the king rose very early in the morning and went in haste to the den of lions. When he came to the den, he cried out with, lamenting, with a lamenting voice to Daniel. The king spoke and said, Daniel, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve continually, been able to deliver you from the lions? You're looking at this scene and you're thinking, okay, man, the king literally couldn't sleep, couldn't eat, 
didn't want anybody to know distractions. He didn't, he didn't want to hear music. He didn't want anybody to soothe him. He was a mess. He was pacing back and forth. I'm telling you, the world wants to know that God is real. They want to know that he's real in your heart. They want to know that he's faithful. The baddest, meanest ones, the ones that are attacking, the ones that are sealing with a deal to, to terrorize you and to bring your downfall, the very ones who are persecuting you, talking about you, making fun of you in your faith. Those very ones are the ones who are standing back. And in their heart of hearts, if we could hear them loud, they would be saying, don't give in. Don't give up. Please don't quit. I want to know too if your God is real. We need some folks who will stand up and say, though they slay me, though he lets me die, I will serve him all the way to the end. Faithfulness. Faithfulness. The world is wanting to know that you're real. They're wanting to know. And the king paced all night long. He loved Daniel. He had, the, the Holy Spirit had already been working in his life. The influence of Daniel's relationship with God had already been speaking to him. And by the time he, he got to this thing where they tricked him, he knew they tricked him. He was just a mess. He stayed up all night long. And he's pacing back and forth. He gets to the den. He's there in the early morning. Daniel! Daniel! Has your living God delivered you who you serve continually? And then the drum roll. Suddenly Daniel says, Oh, king. Oh, king, live forever. My God has sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they have not hurt me because I was found innocent before him and also, O king, I have done no wrong before you. Can you imagine the moment between him running to that den, looking over that hole and screaming out, Daniel, are you there? Has God delivered you? Has he come through? Let me tell you, every time you've come out of the doctor's office, every time you've come out of work and there's been a bad report, every time you've gone through a new trial, a doctor has said that you've got a new problem, every time you've done that, it's people standing on the outside looking in at your life, and they know you've got faith. They know you're a Christian. Let me tell you, the greatest thing you got in that moment is your faithfulness. If you'll stand through every test, I'm telling you, it'll do more than you think it will. It'll not only get you blessed and send you off into glory with a great testimony. It'll do more than that. The king himself will bow. The king and all of the people will change. The culture around you will change if you will stand that faith. Listen to what it says. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him and commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den and no injury whatever was found on him. Because he believed in his God. And the king gave the command. And they brought those men who had accused Daniel. And they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children and their wives. And the lions overpowered them. And broke all their bones in pieces before they ever came to the bottom of the den. Let me tell you something. Those, hungry, those lions were hungry. Then King Darius wrote. To all peoples, nations, and languages that dwell in the earth. Peace be multiplied to you. 
I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom, men must tremble and fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and steadfast forever. His kingdom is the one which shall not be destroyed and his dominion shall endure to the end. That truth right there changed. Daniel's faithfulness changed the community, changed the nation. If you will stand the, the test of time, if you won't bow down. Let me tell you, I said it before, I'll say it again. The greatest gift you have to the kingdom is remaining faithful. Being that one that is faithful no matter what. That is the one that's going to receive the blessing of not only having the favor of God and the blessing, the, the, the gifts and the rewards of God for your faithfulness, but you are going to minister to others who are around you. And oh, this world is starving for some faithful people. Starving for those who are faithful, who will not give in. They see people, I'm disappointed at times. I'll see people that were so on fire and had such a great testimony. And, and they lived a, such a godly and holy life. And I'll see them out and, and, and I've heard stories or I'll see them somewhere. And I'm blown away by the change and the difference and how they don't even profess faith anymore. And they've let down their standards and they've compromised. Let me tell you, Daniel could have compromised. It would have been easy to go down that road. And it's easy for you to lose sight of the faithfulness of God towards you and get weak and to start to get into a place where you start to think of, of ways that you can get around some of the things. Daniel could have said, well, I mean, listen, I could pray with the windows closed. I mean, what's it really matter? I mean, come on. What is it? As long as I pray, what, what does it matter? He could have said, I'll just keep the windows closed. They can't see me. Or he could have said, well, you know what? I'll pray in my heart. I'll just be quiet. And we look for every kind of excuse we can, don't we? And he, he could have been like, well, I'll just pray in my heart. I mean, it is a law, and I'm a governor, and, and I need to honor the king. The Bible tells me to honor the king, so, and I've got a good influence with him, so I should probably just, I'll be silent for, it's only 30 days, so I'll be silent for 30 days, and I'll still be good. But you know what? The reason he didn't wrestle with those thoughts and the reason he didn't fight that battle because, is because the battle was not won in the den. You see, it wasn't one with the lions. You know where the battle was fought? The battle was fought in his faithfulness all through the years. Up in that upper room with the windows open, that's where the lions were taken care of. That battle was won there. And when he had made sure that battle was won, the decision had been made. His mind was made up that he was going to serve God no matter what. By the time he got to the lions, they were no concern of his. He slept like a baby. Slept like a baby. When you and I will make a decision and live a faithful life, by the time we get to the mountain or the valley or the trial or the trouble, if we'll stay faithful now, by the time we get there, I'm telling you, we, the battle will already be accomplished and won for us. The battle's not won on the field. It's won in the war room. That's where you fight. That's where you win. It's in your faithfulness. You say, all I've got is faithfulness. That's all you need. You stay faithful and you've got it won. You've got it kicked. You stay faithful and you'll hit the hard times and the trials and you'll know how to navigate through it. You'll understand and know that though I walk through the waters, they'll not overflow me. When I walk through the fire, I shall not be burned. Neither will the flame kindle upon me. As he was with Moses, so shall he be with me. When I trust in those promises and I hold to them and cling to those things, that's where I've won the battle. And you'll win it when you leave the cemetery or when you walk out of the hospital or when you walk out of the workplace and you 
you're carrying all your, your box of goodies, when you're doing all that stuff, you will know. And the people standing at the window and they're watching you will say, through it all, through it all, they've learned to trust in Jesus. They've learned to trust in all, through it all, through it all. They've learned to depend upon their God. Amen. The faithfulness is where you win your battle. I challenge you, man, don't, don't get blindsided by the trouble. Don't get blindsided by the circumstances. Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding. In all of your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Where? Right out of the den of lions. He'll deliver you right out. Faithfulness. Stand with me this morning. He had an excellent spirit. He made up his mind. The battle was won. The battle was won in that little part of the verse where it says, as was his custom. That's where it was won. You will win your battle in your private prayer closet for what's coming. When you face the squad, when you face all of the trouble, when you have to face the firing squad, so to speak, if you have fought on your knees in your prayer closet, by the time you get here, it'll be no big deal. How many have found that to be true in your life? Testify. Amen. The power of an almighty God is at work in our lives through our faithfulness. Be if you can't be anything else, be faithful. I'm going to ask you, if you would, as a mode of closing in prayer, would you come as many as will and can? Would you please come to the altar? children stood before God or stood before the king they said let it be known to you this day that whether God delivers us or whether he don't we will never bow we will never give in we will never worship the false idols we will never do that when David stood before that giant the whole Israeli army was behind him shaking in their boots David looked at that giant who was 10 times taller and bigger than he was with only a rock in his hand. And he said, you come against me with your sword and your spears and all your shields and all your stuff. I come at you representing the Lord's army, the captain of the host of the Lord's army. And he says, in this day, you come against me I'm going to rip your head off. Little guy. Big faith. Little guy. Big faith. Faith will take you over. 
faithful faithfulness faithfulness man that that'll be the key to living the life of victory for you let's pray together father we come to you we thank you for faithfulness we thank you that you've given us so many truths in your word that teach us that guide us that direct us into how to live this life lord we know that when that enemy comes in like a flood lord all we got to do we don't have to change a thing because we have already won the battle in prayer we've already won the battle in our faithfulness and you will always come to the rescue of your children we may have to walk on the water we may have to fight uh, the battle but when we have to fight lord you are there your angels are there and god we are victorious every time we thank you for the truths of your word today how it touches our lives in the name of jesus christ would you now very very politely would you just put your hand on someone's shoulder standing beside you and let's have a, a prayer of intercession for brothers and sisters that are with us today father we come to you we pray for our brothers we pray for our sisters today we pray over their lives over their families we pray in the name of jesus that you would touch every one of them minister to their needs give them the courage to stand the faithfulness lord that will be the key to their victory oh in the name of jesus christ thank you lord for the truth of your word that teaches us the battle is won in prayer our faithfulness will win every time in jesus name we pray Amen. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed for just a moment, would you give me just a moment of the Holy Spirit? I believe the Holy Spirit is working in this room. If there's anyone today that needs to accept Christ before we leave this house, you've come in here, you don't know Jesus as your Savior, and you need to accept Him in your life. I don't want to close out this service without giving you the opportunity for you in heaven to make things right. So if you're here today, and you need Jesus in your life, would you just slip up your hand and write back down, and we're going to pray a prayer with you. Are you here? Is there anyone who needs the Lord this morning? Amen. All right. I'm going to trust that everybody that came to the house today is ready. And so, Lord, we thank you today. We praise you, and we thank you for truth that builds us, disciples us, that helps us to live victorious touch our church. Help us, Lord, in our attempts to be faithful to you, to your promises, to your word, to your ways. Honor us today, we pray in the name of Jesus Christ. We give you the glory and the honor for it all. And everyone together agreed and said amen. How many say, say this with me? Say obedience, better than sacrifice. Obedience, faithfulness. God bless you. Richard. Amen. What an incredible word from the pastor today about being faithful. When you got faithfulness, you have everything. As a pastor mentioned in the first service, when we go and stand before the Lord, he's going to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You know, he's not going to ask about a bunch of different things. It's just going to be a few things that he's going to, he's going to mention. We want you to know if you are new to our church here in the last little while and you want to come and meet the pastors and the staff, we'll be back here in the conference room at our meet and greet. We'd love to spend a moment with you. The pastor is on his way right now. Amen. Amen. God bless you. We'll leave you on a good note. Yesterday at the Middletown City Jail, the, our uh, jail ministry was down there and 23 people got saved at the Middletown Jail yesterday. We want you to go today and be blessed. We're going to be back tonight at 6 o'clock. Go have a wonderful afternoon. Enjoy your Sunday.